Hey, hey, wealthy women. So I have to confess, I'm getting ready to go on a cruise through the Greek islands in Malta for my 60th birthday. Now, believe it or not, I have never been on a cruise before and I've never been to the Greek islands before, despite having been to some places that you probably don't even know much about or haven't heard too much about or don't know anybody else who went. So I'm getting a couple of episodes ahead. So this week, we're going to have part two of the seminar that I did about short-term rentals. I hope that this brings up lots of questions that you want to talk to me about because you know how much I love talking to you. So leave some messages, comments, questions in the chat, or you can reach out to me directly. You'll find all the links you need in the show notes. Have a fantastic week. And hopefully when you read, when you hear this, I'll be floating around some island, <laughs> be, becoming 60. <laughs> Are you looking to create more money, more options, and more fun? Hi, I'm Chris McCarron, and each week, my guests and I will share our experiences with real estate investing and do our best to help empower you to start creating wealth yourself. Welcome to Women Creating Wealth. If you're ready to get started, visit womencreatingwealth.net. For now, let's jump into today's episode. When you start looking for property, you definitely want to figure out what you want this house to do for you. What are your goals? Do you want it to be like primarily just a place where you can stay and that someone pays you when you're not there? Uh, Do you have specific financial goals that you want to make? In which case you have to do a lot more research about where you're going to buy it. Make sure that that the, the rental history in that area can support it. You know, like let's say I have, and I don't want to pick on any particular town, and there actually aren't bad towns to do short-term rentals because everybody, you know, as long as there's a college or families or some reason that people would want to come uh, and not live there all the time. But let's say, you know, I'm in, uh, you know, the wilds of Kentucky and there's nobody around, but I have family there, so I want to buy a property there. Well, if you're goal is just to have a potential write-off at a place where you have your family, that's great. But if your goal is to make a specific amount of money, that might not be the best place for you to buy that property. Um, If you're ever going to stay there, there are different considerations. You know, how how much time you can stay there, like the IRS has specific guidelines. If you are staying there a certain amount, that's really your house and it's not Um, you're not going to be able to write off some of the things you might have thought you could write off on your taxes and stuff like that. Um, And again, what's important to you? And if you're going to pay a property manager, there are people who do that. And it's more expensive in general to have a property manager who manages short-term rentals than it is for long-term rentals. What's the average that like VRBO, Airbnb take? Um, Airbnb takes 3%. So not bad. Not really bad. You have to have separate insurance for that, like a different type of insurance. For the house itself, you mean? Like, what if they damage something? Well, uh, Airbnb and see, I I haven't used VRBO, so I apologize. I keep going back to Airbnb because I was never vacant enough on Airbnb <laughs> to want to look into another one. But I have used Furnished Finders as well. Um, you can have a security deposit, but also you just let your you definitely want to let your insurance company know. Because they'll also offer something like um, business resumption, for example. You know, so something happens, the place burned down, you're losing revenue, that would be covered. So it's a. So you said that you use Airbnb. Yeah. Because I know that I looked into renting a VRBO. Yeah. And they wanted me as the renter to sign something like 
hundreds of thousands of dollars if I damage something. I'm like, yeah. uh, no. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that was made me super uncomfortable. Yeah, I've stayed at a lot of Airbnbs as well, and I've never signed anything so like, like that. So that's like a negative for the VRBO. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure, like I said, my friend uses that one, and I'm pretty sure they also don't take the money. And I, as a as the renter, as the I mean, I as the person who owns the property, never want to be worried about if this person's coming in a week and I haven't got their money yet. You know what I mean? Like that's just not. I don't even want to think about it. So Airbnb collects the money, and then. As soon as they check in, or as soon as their check-in time comes, they give me the money, and it's just I never so have to think about it. you can see the transaction transpiring somehow. What do you mean? Like, how do you know that they collected the money? Can you? See they collect it when you check in. I mean, they collect. No, they. Um, when you book your place on Airbnb, yep. when I like, I'm going on Airbnb. I want to book. Like, I'm going. This is actually <laughs> happening next weekend. I'm going to Tanglewood, so I'm going to want to rent an Airbnb out there. So I'll go on. I'll rent it, and I'll pay right then. And then Airbnb gets to hold on to my money, even if it's six months from now. But you, as the lease, the, the person holding the home, can you see on a portal that the money's there, but you just don't get it until they go into the actual home? Uh, their, their reservation's not confirmed until they pay. So once, they, once I get them, they've already paid Airbnb. Oh, so it's just a thing like you already know that they have the money because they confirmed it with this. Okay. Because, yeah, because the fact that they, that I, they ever hit my thing means they've already paid. Got it. So I wouldn't even know they existed if <laughs> they were out there with Airbnb. You know what I mean? They, you can't like reserve this, the time and then pay later. Yep. They, it's just not their room it. until. Can you yeah. set different policies based on what your preference with like Airbnb? In terms of like cancellation policy, stuff yes. like that. Yes. Yeah, you have a lot of flexibility for that. You basically, there's like some people, and they, you know, of course, when you check in, like this place does not refund. Even if you cancel six months ahead of time, they're never going to give you a refund. Versus some of them that's like half, you can get 50% if you, you know, cancel within this time. And then some of them, like I used to let people cancel right up to five days ahead of time and give them the full refund because somebody else always books. It was never, you know. Well, yeah. Airbnb was great, and this is personal experience. We had a place in Brooklyn uh, was reserved the week that everything shut down for COVID, and we got fully refunded. It wasn't even 50% because it went all into their COVID, and they got us a refund back almost immediately because they shut the city down. Yeah, and that was, uh, Airbnb put up a lot of their own money to refund everybody. Like I said, they allowed people to cancel, but they still gave the owners 25% of what the rental would have been. And then they were, um, they had like funds you could apply for like, they created like a $3 million. Um, Loans type of thing? It wasn't a loan. No, it was like a, a, you know, just money you could get as a gift if you, if you could show that, you, you know, you were really bummed out and, you know, and having a hardship and stuff. But we actually, it was for me. All right. So I had two properties in New Hampshire during COVID. And I had people who had checked in, they were supposed to stay for a week, and they ended up staying for three months because they're like, why do I want to go home, right? I can stay here. So in both properties, I was fully rented the entire time, which was awesome. And a lot of New Hampshire didn't shut down until really late, so they, you could still go to restaurants and eat outside and stuff, so it was a great place to be during COVID. Um, yeah, so that's, I mean, I keep talking about North Conway, but I feel like it's a great, anywhere in that like White Mountain area, it's three seasons, so it's, it's very, um, good um, yeah so start interviewing the team who's going to support you you want to make sure I'm sorry Mike we're I actually got started late I apologize um, and then for property criteria we're going to talk about this in a second but you want to make sure that whatever you're going to do whatever you're going to um, 
whatever your payment's going to be, if for some reason that you're not going to be rented for a period of time, then it's not going to break you. So what about the um, people that go in and clean? What is the percentage that they take? Or how does that work? Uh, you can add a cleaning charge to Airbnb, and that's what I did. I just, whatever the person charged me, um, I just added that on as a cleaning charge. Oh. Yep. So that was... So no watts? No, not at all. And that's the... In terms of managing yourself and stuff like that. Yep. Really, the only management is is accepting their reservation and making sure that the cleaning crew is going to be there between reservations. Yeah. And I would even be willing to say if you you can have it accept people automatically if they have like already have some good reviews, so you don't have to do that piece of it. You can have emails already getting fired off to them at different times, so you don't have to worry about that. And uh, so the only thing you have to do is make sure the cleaner is going to come. But you can also add that person to your team and give your cleaner the responsibility of going and making to see when, what the calendar is and stuff. So it, it can be the only thing really is if something goes wrong, you just have to make sure you have a good you know, group to be able to, to step in and call and say, oh, you know, like <laughs> we just had people, I say we, it's actually with my house, but I don't know why I use the royal we. Uh, I just had people that had checked out like a couple days before. Um, and this place used to have a second story deck. So you could come out like the, the lower level and then the deck was above you. And they came out and there was a hornet's nest like this big hanging off the deck. And I'm like, so they sent me this picture like, uh, can you please have someone? And I was like, oh my God, people just left. They must have worked like fiends. Like the minute the people left, they started building this huge nest. So I just called the cleaner and said, you have somebody. Other people never noticed it. It's possible if they never went out that way, but you'd think you'd just see the, the bees, you know, or the hornets rather, but <laughs> but yeah. Um, and there are people who specialize in doing short-term rental management. Um, I know that when my boyfriend started doing his, he was nervous about like, the whole acceptance process and talking to the people and if what if they complain and you know you do sometimes get some high maintenance people you know this this one lady was like you know there's a you said that it was the no shared wall but there is like 14 inches of wall that's shared with this other unit you know what I mean and, and I said and he said can you hear anything no okay it's a problem why you know like just that kind of thing well I specifically asked you if there were any shared walls like okay but yeah, so I said, you, and, with your husband. <laughs> well, in that case, you just, you have to just kill people with kindness. And that's the other great thing. They're going to be gone in like two days. So you're like, okay, well, that was, you know, <laughs> I earned my money on that guest. But then there's 20 other guests that I didn't even know they had actually come and gone because they were never even contacted me, never needed a single thing. So yeah, you get some high maintenance people. So this is the, this is the key. And you'll see this again when we get to the part where we talk about what could possibly go wrong. You have to research. You want to research similar, and there's actually a bunch of podcasts that you can, if you go to the Women Creating Wealth podcast, there are a bunch of episodes that talk about like setting up your Airbnb and, and this whole thing about researching. But let's say that I want to buy a property in a specific town. I'm going to go into that. I'm going into Airbnb, and I'm going to look in that town, and I'm going to see what else is available, how much they're charging. And then if you go in and you say, I want to rent in that town today or you know tomorrow, or this weekend, and you see who's available, and there's a ton of people available, you might say, eh, this is not ideal. Or there might be a couple people available, and you say, okay, um, what do they have in common? And you say, well, this one's a little messy, this one's got, you know, you, there's no, uh, this one has a fire pit, it's always rented, this one doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, so you can start to find out what kind of things are really hot buttons for people, what's important to them. I did a whole thing about, um, to get good reviews on Airbnb, 
people love white sheets. White sheets because they feel clean, right? So in the pictures and when they show up, the white sheets are just like, oh, this place is clean, you know, as opposed to like stripes or something. So yeah, it's just, it's good to, uh, and there's lots of people online. If you just Google like tips for Airbnb and stuff like that, there's a lot of good info. So yeah, you want to research the area. Make sure, like you said, that the association, the neighborhood, the, uh, the condo people, that everybody allows you to do it, uh, to do short-term rentals. And if they don't, uh, short-term is different for different places. So you might be able to do something like furnished finders because some of them have a three-month minimum or something. Um, like one place that I was researching, it has to be, they have to have a lease for at least, or they have to be there for at least 31 days. So furnished finders would be perfect because that's usually at least three months. And then you prepare, obviously you're going to set up your LLC or whatever. You don't necessarily want to hold it in your own name and get all your paperwork ahead of time. Create the accounts on whatever ones you want to use. And then you actually start looking for property, which is the fun part, <laughs> and choose one. So what could possibly go wrong? It just sounds so easy and fun. Well, yeah, if you don't do your research, you buy a condo in a place and now you can't do short-term rentals. Like, well, that really stinks. Um, ignoring a problem. So a guest contacts you and they say, oh, X, Y, Z went wrong. And you think, well, 47 other people have rented. None of them mentioned it. This person's just a whiner. That person might just be the only one who bothered to tell you, but other people, it might have impacted them. So you, you always want to jump on whatever it is that someone complains about, even if it seems really minor. Like I remember the place I had in New Hampshire, and I noticed it myself, but I didn't really think too much about it, that there were just light switches everywhere and you just didn't know what any of them did, you know? So like I just went in and flipped all the lights and figured out, but one person said, you know, some labels on these light switches would be nice. And I thought, great idea, right? Instead of saying, oh, what a pain in the butt. No, you just go in there and you label all the light switches, right? How hard is that? I should have done it myself, you know? So anything that people complain about, just jump on it, assume that everybody had the same problem and, and address it. Um, blind optimism, big problem. Like, oh, I know, people are going to love this place. It's going to be rented all the time. Much better to plan for potential disaster and say, what if I'm only rented 30% of the time? Can I survive? What, how often are other people rented? There are places you can go to get statistics from Airbnb. Um, I forget what it's called, but again, there's a podcast episode about it. Um, and I can, if you're interested, I can get that for you. But it's, uh, a place where you can get statistics on Airbnb, like how often people are rented, you know, which which types of properties, which price ranges. Because sometimes, like you buy a place in Nashville, you get a 14-bedroom home because that's where everybody's having their um, bridal, you know, what do you call it, their hen parties or whatever. Being cheap. <laughs> Sorry, that's a British expression. <laughs> I apologize. There, uh, what do you call them? Bridal, bridal, bachelorette. bachelorette. Thank you. I couldn't get it. I couldn't get it. Okay. I'm like a hen party. Yeah, that's what they call it in the UK. Uh, Are you from the UK? No, but I lived there for a few years, so I just sometimes that those, for whatever reason, those those come to me more quickly. Yeah, bachelorette party. Um, big in, in Nashville for whatever reason, um, and being cheap. So you can definitely buy like nice used furniture, but don't use, don't get like crappy, you know, I, I think like crappy flatware, crappy linens, you know, like um, I had a place that I just rented. It was in Boston. It was not supposed to be rented short term, but I just happened to, that I had to do it. So I did it on the QT. But anyway, um, and I just bought some kind of cheap pillows and people were like, you know, 
these pillows are kind of cheap. And I'm like, yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> Luckily, you're the last guest. But um, yeah, so, you know, things like that. Give them nice pillows, nice linens. And then if the couch is a little lumpy, it's not going to be as big of a deal as if the, the, the mattress is lumpy, right? So sleeping is the majority of what people are going to do there. So make sure that that whole thing is a good experience. So don't want to be too cheap. So now the question is, what's holding you back? Any reason why you wouldn't want to do this today, this afternoon? <laughs> um, yeah, so this is just a time to talk. Um, there's some stuff if you want to learn more. I actually have a book. It's not just about short-term rentals, though. It's about real estate investing in general. Um, the podcast, Women Creating Wealth, there's a lot of episodes there about um, short-term rentals. And you can call, text, write, or drop by. And you have dropped by. Great. <laughs> um, any questions or thoughts or because that's the next thing is just to thank you. So I'll go back because I don't know if you were getting nice. stuff from there. Thanks. Hey, thanks for tuning in to part two and be sure to tune in next week when we're going to talk about how to finance short-term rentals. In the meantime, have a fantastic day. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Women Creating Wealth. For more info, be sure to check out womencreatingwealth.net. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us on your favorite podcast platform and consider sharing the wealth with someone else who might enjoy it. See you next week.